we are live, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Crypto Gaming Institute, episode number forty, the big four zero. And there's nobody else that I'd rather have on than Captain Winston. How you doing today, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, Ben. Thanks so much for having me, dude. The reason I say Captain Winston is because we just spoke a little bit beforehand about you being a surfer out in the water. <laughs> trying to make that connection here but really you are the uh you know the, the co-founder of uh we meta a total mm -hmm. badass um i would love to really jump into your story and understand like who you are as a person how you got into crypto and how you became um uh how you became the person that you are today in the space yeah sure so i guess i'll give you the uh what i what i tell vcs um and so i, I dropped out of college to do a real estate startup i was going to the university of arkansas I did an internship commercial real estate in London and thought I understood the entire world. Uh, and, and so I, I went back to Arkansas and I'm like, I'm spending a lot of time looking at real estate deals on my, on my cell phone. Why aren't we buying and selling houses on our cell phones? So uh, me being the genius that I am, I just decided, you know, let's move out to California and see how it goes. Uh, and it turns out when I got there, there's already somebody doing it. And so there's this company called Really R-E-A-L-I. Uh, and I guess I've become one of their advocates, which is interesting, but they just raised 20 mil to do the exact same idea. And so I was kind of defeated and just decided to sell houses in the SF Bay area for a little while. Uh, I was thinking about being a mortgage broker as well, but I failed the exam twice, passed on the third time. Uh, and so I, I also real estate agents take a higher commission. That was something I realized after I failed it the second time. I'm like, you know, why am I doing this? Real estate agents make more money. Uh, and so I, I just sold houses in the SF Bay area for a couple of years, um, mostly focused in the Tri-Valley, if anybody's familiar with the area. And I was really dissatisfied with the lack of data that I was able to give my customers. I went into the area as a new agent. I was dealing with buyers, not sellers. Uh, you know, I've worked with a few sellers, but primarily it was buyers. And so these are people who are coming into the area, looking around and going, holy shit, it's $700,000 for a condo. Why? And they're asking me. And I say, I can give you three years of historical data to prove that now is the right time to buy. And that, <laughs> <laughs> it just felt so disingenuous. Um, and I, I, I try to be a genuine person and say whatever's on my mind uh, and just be honest and straightforward. Um, and it felt like I was, I wasn't scamming them, you know, because I was giving them the truth, but it was, it was a very short contextualized version of the truth. And the people who are coming into the area, they're used to say spending, you know, $300,000, $400,000 for a two story bedroom house or two bedroom or uh, yeah, yeah, I guess two story, four bed house. In most mm -hmm. areas right now those are now those are probably like five six with all this recent uh fun inflation right but you know five six years ago they were only three hundred four hundred thousand dollars uh and they're coming in and they want to buy a studio apartment and it's the same price uh and so it just it just felt terrible uh and so i started scraping my own website started scraping zillow started pulling data from other websites that's how i learned how to code um and so i was i was always been a knack for data um and i my brother came to visit uh, he, he was getting his uh, master's in statistics at UNC. Uh, so you can see kind of the difference in uh, mentalities there. Um, and he pointed out, you know, you're doing interesting stuff, but it's never going to scale. You need to go learn how to do it properly. And so I went to galvanize in SF to learn data science. Um, almost failed out of that. Like I said, never, never been one for in school. I'm always like, what's the minimum amount I can do to keep everybody happy and then just keep going. Uh, and so I almost failed out twice, but I really stuck with it, enjoyed it. 
Uh, and the, a few people there liked me and they, let, they gave me the opportunity to teach afterwards. And so I started teaching data science and that's really how I learned it. Um, and so I'd you know, show up, review it beforehand and then just walk, walk a class of you know, 30 to 60 people through it. Um, and that, that actually went reasonably well. And so I was collating a workshop with somebody from NVIDIA and they talked about Rapids, which is this big data warehousing solution. And all I knew was that it turned the query from, you know, this couple million row query, it took from like five minutes to five seconds. I'm like, I got to get it. It was insane. I, I remember I showed it to somebody when I first started working on it. Uh, and I think we queried like 25 gigabytes and they'd been working on, on distributed systems for like 15 years and their jaw dropped. And I, I, that was, that was like the first time I've seen somebody actual, like, you know, you hear like, oh, their jaw, his jaw actually dropped and it, and it was incredible. <laughs> Um, You're like, are we in freaking Tom and Jerry right now? Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, it was almost like a cartoon, yeah. Um, because you could you could kind of see it, and he's like, this guy, this guy, you shitting me? What? And, uh, <laughs> and so it was, it was, it was phenomenal. Uh, and so after that, it's like, I, got, I have to stay involved in this. And so I started writing about it. Um, and I got picked up by a startup in the space, Blazing Sequel. They're, and they were killers, honestly. Those are some of the smartest people I've ever worked with. Uh, they figured out how to make data frames on GPUs like work uh, and actually work well and so that you could query them. Uh, and so I was a data scientist at Blazing SQL for a while. And then over COVID, Coding Dojo reached out to me uh, and saw that you know, I, had a, I had a decent background in data science education. They were starting up their data science program and they needed somebody to lead it. Uh, and so they reached out to me. Um, I gave them a ridiculous number. They said yes, which is kind of crazy. Um, and so I, I went there and did that during COVID. Um, and then I was working terrible hours. So uh, I actually, I couldn't stay in San Francisco anymore. And so I moved to Las Vegas on a whim right after Thanksgiving of 20, 2020, maybe. Um, and I made a few friends and this guy offered to uh, lease me a room and his shed. Uh, and so I made the shed. <laughs> <laughs> the, sh the shed is legendary. We're going to get to the shed trust. But um, so the, uh, yeah, I, I did most of my time in the shed uh, and I made that my office and that was kind of like my go-to. And I was teaching this class every night because my students were in Saudi Arabia uh, from, you know, 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. And then there's this great place in Las Vegas to go snowboarding, Lee Canyon. And so I would teach from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m then drive to Lee Canyon, snowboard, then come back home, go to sleep, wake up, repeat. And I did that, you know, five, six days a week for a few months. Um, and it was all right, but there was some people nipping away at me, like get into crypto, do data science in crypto. Don't do data Those people do data science with us in crypto. Um, and so, you know, in March of 2021, I said, screw it, quit my job, spent like two weeks snowboarding around uh, like YouTube. Uh, I went to Reno. Um, I went to yeah a few other places. Took a few weeks off, just snowboarded for a little, while, um, and then went back to the shed and said, you know what, I'm going to learn crypto. I started doing. I did. Uh, spring 2020 was my first one. Came up with a. Uh, <laughs> it's really basic now looking back on it, but it was a way for buyers and sellers to submit real estate offers on chain. Um, and so, you know, went through a series of these and over the, over several months and learned with JavaScript, I've always worked with data science backgrounds. So I know Python, R, basic stuff. 
but um, came across this team at Web3 Weekend. And the original idea was like, let's have a place where you can see Decentraland, CryptoVoxel, Somnium Space, Sandbox, all in one interface with a And it'd be cool if we had foot traffic. And at this point, what is the metaverse, right? And this is, this is, right. this is Web3 Weekend 2021, so this is May 2021. Nobody's talking about the metaverse. I remember I jumped into Decentraland and I'm like, this thing doesn't even work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, then, and then Brennan um, was like, you have to try crypto voxels. You can do it on your cell phone. So I tried crypto voxels and it was, it was right. I liked it a little more. Um, but, you know, since then, the games have developed so much and there's been a lot built and there's been, a, I mean, obviously an incredible amount of hype. Uh, and so we took the, we won that hackathon Web3 Weekend. And then from there, it's just been a, uh, it's been a whirlwind, but especially the last couple of months, but um, turned it into a company. And so now we have WeMeta um, and we tried, we're, our goal is to be like this market and data layer of the metaverse. And so we have a marketplace aggregator that just pulls listings from uh, Decentraland Marketplace, OpenSea, Sandbox, whatever marketplace you have that's listing metaverse land, you can buy, sell and bid on it on WeMeta. Uh, but what makes us really fun is that we have the best data and insights to help you make those purchases. Uh, and this kind of, I guess, goes back to my, my real estate background, where it's like, how do I help people understand what the hell is going on? And, why, and how do I give the insight they need to make informed decisions uh, and informed purchases? And then that raises the question of, well, what do they want to do? So like, so do they want to be this like play thing? Do they want to be more like a, a real life metaverse? We've decided that's not really our problem. Our problem is to give people the information they need to make decisions. And so that's what we're focused on right now. I guess that, that, I that's, that. that's my intro. What do you think? I love it. I love it. I dig it. You know, I really want to dig into this idea of virtual real estate. And, you know, that was one of the, um, you know, one of the things that um, I, I think is going to be such a big part of the future of the metaverse that we don't really understand, right? So from your perspective, like maybe you could just give a, just a 30,000 foot view of what is virtual real estate even? And why is it valuable? Because if, you know, if you can, if you think of like, okay, there's a trillion by trillion pixel uh, environment, like why does this one, 16 by 16 uh, plot of, of virtual land or like these pixels, why does that have more value than a different one? I have my own re uh, theories and ideas of why, but I would love to hear it from you. Like what makes it valuable? And, like, what is it really? Yeah. So to me, it's an access point. Um, and what you do with that access point is up to you. And what works at that access point is still being figured out. And that's, uh, I guess we can get into that afterwards, but that's, that's a, that's a next problem that we're trying to solve. Um, so what is virtual real estate and why do you, why do you care? That's a great question. Um, simply put, it's, it's a way to own, I guess the future of the internet. Um, and so we kind of see like the metaverse is like this next evolution of the internet. And this may sound like a, uh, like kind of a, a, a Facebook sort of take, if you will. Um, but you know, I, I see Twitter as the metaverse. I see Facebook as the metaverse. I don't think they're the metaverse we want. I hope I hope they're not the metaverse we want. Um, but obviously, you have you know Fortnite, Roblox, 
these things are kind of considered metaverse and metaverse has become kind of a cringe word, if you will, right? So I'm hoping we come up with something better. Um, but what, what digital or virtual real estate is, uh, is really a way to own parts of this metaverse. And it's really the building blocks. And so it's right now it's land, but I, honestly, I don't know if it will be land forever. It's, it's to me, it's, it's something that it's a, it's a primitive that you can build on top of that individual people can own, develop, uh, and make into whatever they want. What's going to be successful is, you know, I don't know. Um, and then we get into this whole really, really exciting part of well, what should it look like? Should it look like a video game? Should it look like real life? Should it look like just a forest? I don't know. Um, and so that, that's another thing we can get into. Um, but really, it's, it's a primitive. It's an opportunity to uh, have, you know, like an un, hmm, I guess like a, like an unconstrained revenue opportunity. And to me, it's an opportunity to build a business, a brand, an identity, whatever you want inside of this virtual box we call the internet. So I totally agree with you. I would actually even take it a step further. And I almost see it, it as like owning not just, I guess, no, I guess you, I guess you hit it. Uh, and, and I agree with you that it's owning a piece of, of the metaverse, right? And I actually don't think it's a cringe word. I know some people have an issue with the term the metaverse. I think it's the right term. I just think we have a poor association of what it actually means. Because mm -hmm. everything everything digital is a metaverse. Like the internet equals the metaverse. And it's it's no one person or group or project or company is going to build the metaverse. Right. They're going to build their own part of it. Uh, but everything collectively is the metaverse so let's you know let's decringe it because it's an important thing to like not have a poor association with because if you do think of it poorly then you're probably going to miss out on a ridiculous amount of opportunity which is missing the whole point right so mm. for the for the real estate part i think of it as purely a function of utility let's say you have a, a crazy popular game with millions of people playing in it and there's a particular area within the game's world, their own little corner of the metaverse, where the most people see it as they're playing the game. Well, that has value in the form of impressions. Like, a certain number of people are going to see that plot of land. So purely from a, from a utility perspective, what's stopping you from making a deal with an in-game blacksmith where the blacksmith is like, I want to sell my wares and I want to be the best blacksmith in this game. And you like rent out your land to the blacksmith for them to build their own cool digital shop there so that people in game will see that and be like, oh, I want to go craft, you know, the armor of a thousand whispers or whatever. And like they go to this special blacksmith. That's valuable to the blacksmith because they may be paying you some sort of in game currency as rent, but then they can make so much more from servicing customers in this virtual world. I think gamers get it. Mm -hmm. um, do you see, but I actually want to kind of ask about that. Who do you see as the people or the group that gets this at the, at the highest level and really understands the value that this provides, knowing that my example was just one example and there are many other examples to, to prove the value. Yeah. Um, Right now, it seems to be traditional real estate people, believe it or not. Um, the 
the games in crypto seem to be more focused on play to earn uh, and not necessarily on building a fun game. I do think the fun games are coming, but fun games take long time to build, right? How long does it take to build GTA? Well, a decade. Um, Years, how, yeah. How, yeah, how long does it take to make Call of Duty? You know, every single, well, they come out with one every year, but they start on it multiple years in advance, right? And so these people are just now seeing this. And so I think, you know, over the next several years, you're going to see stuff, like you may see, so let's say Call of Duty uh, on chain. And what does that look like? What does it mean? I don't know, but it's exciting, right? Um, and so right now, what's easy is just replicating real life. And so, um, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of people develop, for example, recently, you saw like Samsung built something in the metaverse. Uh, you saw some accounting firms built some things in Decentraland. And then we were part of uh, the New Year's Eve Times Square event. I don't know if you saw that, but it was just a drop, like, like the exact same in New York, but inside of Decentraland. And it's a really basic game, if you will. But it's, an, it's, more, it's more an experience. Um, and I mean, you know, being inside of that experience on New Year's Eve was exciting. It was real. It was something. Um, and I think that's the, the, these are the, like the primitives of people starting to understand what they can do in these things. And then from there, we're going to develop. And so I think you'll see this real estate wave and that's starting. And, you know, maybe it's like, uh, like here and it'll get up to like here and then it'll, it'll go and it'll crash. I think after that, you're going to see a wave, uh, a gaming wave and the tide's going to rise, you know, maybe three or four foot. And then you're just going to see this really big wave. Uh, and that'll be the gaming. And then these will be the first two iterations. Past that, it's hard to say, right? And I think that'll play out somewhere over the next one to three years, if you will. Um, but it's already started. Um, and I would imagine there's people with much more ambitious time. So it could be this year. Um, and I think I really do think this is the year of the metaverse. I think this is going to be a fantastic. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot I can't say. But th this is going to be a really, really, really good year for the metaverse. Um, and I think we're going to see, like I said, more traditional builds in the beginning, more gaming, uh, things that you would think are actually with this word metaverse in the back end. But somebody has to start. And the easiest thing to start with is just do what you already know. Right. And so I think that's where we are. That's amazing. So I'm interested. I'm so interested that in, in exploring this concept of the existing real estate people are hopping into virtual real estate before anybody else. What are they, what are they buying up? Like, what are they seeing at, how do they understand it? And what are they putting, like, what are they allocating capital to? Yeah. Um, so they want to build experiences. So these are people who host experiences in real life. There's, uh, and I guess maybe this is a good way we get some background on like commercial there's different types of commercial real estate. There's people who, you know, buy buildings. There's people who buy venues, right? And so these are more people who buy venues and they're trying to throw something exciting and just increase the amount of people who are uh, experiencing the space, if you will. And they're trying to experience the space for themselves as well. I think honestly, like just brutal honest, I think they're seeing the ROI and going, I can't make that anywhere in real life. Let's get involved. Uh, for example, can I share a link in this anywhere? Maybe not. Uh, yeah, um, we can put it in the chat. We can put it in the yeah. chat. Cool. But if you go, like I tweeted this out last night, uh, we have this price per square meter and uh, in Decentraland uh, is, the, is the chart. Um, and and if earlier in 2020, 
2021, it was less than $10 per square meter. Now it's at about 60, which makes a single parcel about 15 grand on, on median. Uh, so that's the median value. And so you're, you're seeing like, you know, a 12 X over the course of one year, which as far as crypto goes, mm-hmm. not fantastic return, but as far right. as real estate goes, like it's that's, nice. un, that's unprecedented. Um, nice. and especially if we're just getting started, like that's, I, you hear a lot of people say, you know, buying land in Decentraland is like buying land in New York in 18, whatever they say. Um, I don't like that uh, because I, I see it really as something completely different. And I think that's a very traditional way to look at the metaverse. That is what is going on in the metaverse right now. Like I said, like you see this real estate wave, but ultimately, mm. you know, I don't think you're buying New York. I think you're kind of buying Mars, if you will. Um, and so it, we're, we're, we're buying this thing that we, we kind of understand. It looks similar to what we have. We're going to adjust the environment to make it very similar, but it's not the same thing. Uh, and, right. and, and it's just an, it's a next level that, you know, I'll be honest, I don't fully understand yet. Uh, and I think anybody who claims they do, you know, they might be, they're either incredibly smart and we should just give them all of our money or, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely one, one extreme, yeah, one extreme it's, or it's the other. Point, so. so, okay. So the incumbent real estate groups are coming in their, their previous venue owners. So I'm thinking festivals, mm-hmm. casinos, uh, anything that action happens in, in experience seven, like maybe sports arenas, mm-hmm. people like that. And so they're coming in and are they trying to find pieces of land, virtual land that they expect there to be a lot of foot traffic. And so they're just like, let me snap up as much raw virtual land as possible because I expect this is where the people are going to come. And I feel like I can then either flip that or build or rent it out or build something on it later on. But it's really just like a, I'm trying to plant seeds to, so that I can see returns in the next five, 10, 20, 50 years. Like, is it that kind of mindset or is it like, this is crazy. It's a bubble, but let me get in early and then just dump on people as soon as I possibly can. Like what's the mindset of these people coming in? That, that, now that's a really smart question. Um, I don't think they have any intention to dump. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I think these are people who, you know, they see an opportunity and maybe they're willing to just rent it out or, or just borrow it right now. But the experiences they're building are things that they do yearly, monthly, repeat repeatedly like on a schedule in real life and so these are going to be replicated experiences over time um it's not just going to be a one-off event if you will uh they don't they're not that type of investor um these are people who are you know they have a lot of money and they're trying to make you know that little bit more and so that ability even to make a 20 percent return to them gets them bouncing off the walls uh and so like you know the, the 12x that we've seen with decentraland land that they've never heard of it Right. And so it, it's it's a new opportunity, but I think they still have the same mindset of play it slow. Think about it. A lot of them are really struggling right now to figure out what do we do when we get past Decentraland? Right. What, what's next? Uh, I think, you know, Somnium Space has serious, serious potential. And I think a lot of people undervalue it. Um, being brutally honest, I'm, I, I have Somnium land. Uh, no shame. But um yeah, I think I think CryptoVoxels will also be exciting. But I mean, there's a lot of metaverses out that 
uh, oh, I really worlds is, is the is the term I like to use. Uh, so you have the metaverse and you have worlds within that. Uh, and so there's a lot of worlds coming out that these people, it's, it, 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 it's, it's I think it's going to blow them away. And so I think they're going to get this initial drive and this initial like proof of concept out through Decentraland. And when it expands past Decentraland, I think it's when we're going to get really, really exciting. And when we get to that point, the, the bubble people will start showing up. Uh, but right right now, it's people with very sober minds who are like, let's build something that lasts, that we can do this year, that we can do better next year, that we can kill the year after. Uh, and so they're long-term playing it slow. They tell me I need to sleep more. So it's, you know, it's, it's fun, but it's, uh, <laughs> they're, they're slow players, if you will. Well, a lot of times that's that's what it takes is smart money to really like take the time to understand it and play it slow and ramp up over time mm -hmm. because they're just not like they don't have a, a 12 minute time horizon. Right. They have like a, you know, a 50 year time horizon. And so mm -hmm. like these are it seems like these are really smart people and smart groups that are getting into this really, really early and, and mm -hmm. they know what they're doing IRL and they're just trying to replicate it. So yeah. what do you think will be the tipping point for when it moves from that? Because I think I heard you say before it's going to be th this group's going to kind of dominate for a little while, but then gamers are going to figure it out. And there's going to be a gaming real estate wave beyond what's already happening. And then eventually, you know, it might go into bubble territory, possibly. What do you think is going to be the catalyst to move from like the existing group that's participating into the gaming group that's going to come as part of the next wave? Like what's what's going to be the shift to get us there? Yeah, so I, I'll be honest, I don't 100% know what the shift is or really even feel comfortable uh, calling it, but I have a really, really, really good feeling that sometime between now and June, somebody's going to make something in the metaverse that draws in like a serious gaming crowd. You know, maybe it gets right now, you know, if something got a million users in one month, that would be huge. Um, yeah. and so like the average foot traffic for Decentraland hovers around 1500 recently, it's gone up to about 1800. That seems to be holding, which is really, really exciting. Um, but I mean, their servers are really only built to handle about 10,000 at a given time. So whenever we get to the point where you can't log into Decentraland because there's more than 10,000 people trying to visit this one game, I think that's going to happen this year. Uh, and I think when game makers see that, <laughs> it'll probably terrify a lot of them because they don't understand it. It's scary. They're making billions of dollars a year. Would they change anything, right? Uh, like Call of Duty, for example. I've had to stop playing the game except once every couple of years because it's the same game every single year. Um, and especially with when they went into Battle Royale, yikes. Uh, but the, the, the slow development, I think, is going to be really exciting. Um, and so the, the catalyst, I guess, if you will, in my opinion, will be that one really exciting game. And I think you're going to have a lot of experiences that come that incentivize these larger players. Into the, to the, something that I really haven't touched on yet um, is I think... I think these larger players are necessary. Uh, in, Wait, you cut out for a second. The larger players are what? Necessary. I think a lot mm. of people aren't necessarily you know, the biggest fan. Oh, Samsung entered the metaverse. Right? Well, you could have Samsung enter this open metaverse that you can own a part of 
or you can have Samsung do Facebook's thing. Which one do you want? Uh, and so I do think there is like this level of maturity that uh, needs to set in into the Web3 community of like people are, are, are old school, they're big money, they're not necessarily the biggest believers in what we believe in, but if we don't partner with them, they're just going to partner with Zuck. <laughs> so they're, they're going to do it regardless because they, you know, they're, they're trying to run a business, they're trying to feed their families, right? I mean, these are bad people. These are regular people who just maybe understand the world a little bit differently. Uh, and so I'd say the metaverse right now is, is maturing a lot of uh, Web3, um, you know, like the, the normal, the, 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 I guess the, the masculine urge to respond, have fun staying poor or something like that, right? Um, right. So it's, we, we can't really have that anymore. Um, but I think these players are really necessary in setting that like, hey, we are going to try to invest $100 million dollars. It's going to take time. We're going to do things that people don't like. We care what you think. We're still going to do it. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm so, so, so excited that they're, they're willing to do this open metaverse. Because it, it, that, to me, is like the way you're interested in Decentraland? What? And, and then you get into the conversation with these people, and they want to know all these metrics. They want to know who are the people buying by, what's the foot traffic, how long is somebody showing up, what's my customer segmentation. And this is data that we do not have. Uh, and so that, that's, what, that's what we're working on right now is trying to get that data to these people so they can understand these larger scale investments and how that plays into, you know, say the economy of Decentraland. Like if you buy up 5% of the parcels in Decentraland, what does that do to Decentraland? If you throw a huge event in Decentraland, does that keep people coming back or do they just show up and they never come back? Uh, these, are, these are questions we're trying to answer. Um, and it's going to take, so I'm happy that these people have a lot of money to spend. You know, I actually agree with you completely. I think it's foolish to be like us versus them type mm -hmm. of thing because if the whole idea of Web3 is to rebuild something from the ground up and the whole point of crypto is to free us from a, a legacy system that no longer serves the people, why would we not want to still bring over all of the people and bring over all of the resources and mm -hmm. just have it be like plugged into a better system of of you know operation it's like it's like you don't build a new operating system and then say oh fuck everybody else that's not using this because right. then you have no users like right. you want to you want to help them upgrade to the new system so like that that totally makes sense to me. And there's absolutely like, I, I've been terming it like a, a, a metaverse holy war right now between like Facebook trying to take a, what seems like, and we don't know yet, we haven't fully seen it, but what seems like more of a wall garden approach, they're just trying to redo web two and web three. Like they're trying to reskin, but mm -hmm. do the same thing. Versus like what I think a lot of people who are earnestly trying to grow and build Web3 are like, let's build this really cool open source metaverse, like the the good parts of Ready Player One, not the dystopian IRL part, but like the really cool um, idea of the Oasis, except the Oasis is not owned by one company. It's just like all of us coming together to build really cool technology and really cool things and exist in this new digital realm mm -hmm. 
but of course we're going to need everybody to come over. Of course we're going to need all the resources to come over. Like it's just inevitable. So it's interesting that you have this perspective from a, from a data perspective, because I think data is one of the most valuable resources on the entire planet. Um, I know you're probably a little biased because you do come from a data science background, uh, but uh, but but I think so. I think so too, and I think it's almost irrefutable that data data is one of the most valuable resources. How do you see the the logical conclusion of well, we need to have data to make better decisions. At the same time, we don't want to run into issues uh, like privacy issues. And, you know, there is a line. How do you think about being a steward of data and and being like a almost like a guardian of data and but, but still using data because we need to use it. But then also, you know, being cognizant of some issues from Web 2 that we don't want to replicate in Web 3. Mm. What, are, what are your thoughts on that? That's a tough question. I'm going to have to take a second. Totally. I'd say the most important part about the data is um, avoiding targeting individuals. I think I think that's probably it because a lot of what Web two does is it targets you, the individual user, and then pushes you into a bucket. They figure out you know what manipulates you good, bad, otherwise, uh, to engage with the platform um, the most. And I, I think instead we should be focusing on what people enjoy doing and, you know, uh, not necessarily what keeps them hating everybody else. Um, but really, I think more important than that, it's, it's the personal private data. So like your name, any anything that would get doxxed, right? Um, and then having access to the data. I think users have to have access to their own data. I think if you're collecting data on somebody and you're not offering it back to them, that's kind of cringe um, because it's like, it's their data. You can use it to improve your product and that's great. And they're probably comfortable with that, but they need to know what you're collecting on it, what you're collecting on them, why you're collecting on it, how you're doing it, and they need access to it. And I think that's just not, those four things are non-negotiable. Um, and Past that, obviously, avoid personal information, avoid personal targeting, uh, avoid trying to manipulate people, period. Like that, 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 just, that should just be the end of the sentence is avoid trying to manipulate people. Um, and I don't understand why that's so difficult. But um, I mean, it's obviously profitable, right? And so I think that's what you see a lot in Web 2. But I think what Web 3 allows us to do is, you know, if you're being manipulated, just switch sites. Like you own data you control your own data. Um, people can do whatever they want with it, but you, I think Web3 puts people in charge, really. It puts, it puts the end user in charge. And so I think that's probably the most important thing to remember. I love that. I actually have a, a thesis here for, and you know, I'd love to get your take as a, a data scientist. Mm -hmm. I know we're straying off of the off of the virtual real estate topic, sure. but I mean, this is it. It's it all comes back. It all it all loops together. So, yeah. so I actually think that data is the key to some sort of. And let's throw out all previous 
um, emotional associations to this term just because I want to use this term just so everybody understands at a basic level like what the end goal is. But mm -hmm. I think data is the key to providing universal basic income. Now, again, I don't want to I don't want to associate that term with anything else anybody else has ever said about it. Here's I'm what excited. I mean by here's I'm what excited. I mean by that. Here's what I mean by that. I think as a basic human right, all human beings should have room, board, like like food, water, and shelter, some like basic level of like education and you know, maybe some insurance, but just you know, the basic basic necessities. It shouldn't be that expensive for people, right? In order, in order for people to, to gain this as a basic human right, which I believe we should have that as a basic human right, and the litmus test I use to determine that is whenever I have kids, my vision is to set up some sort of like a, you know how they say like a trust fund baby? Well, I want to create it to where the only amount of money that they get is enough to cover their basic expenses to take them mm -hmm. out of fight or flight so they can focus on being creative. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Uh, that's now, if they want to, if, if they want to come pitch me on a new idea, that's a whole different thing, but you know, so on and so forth. So, so data, I believe is the thing and use of data is the way we can get to some sort of universal basic income. And here's how companies are going to use your data. They're going to use our data. And they should. It is a useful thing. However, whenever companies use our data, we should get a rev share on the revenue generated from that data use. How that's tracked, how you measure it, how you enforce that. I'll leave that to people much cleverer than myself, like yourself. But at a basic level, if your data is being used to generate revenue, you should get a piece of that because it's your data. And whatever number that is, whatever the fair split is, that split should go to people as a universal basic income. And then, bam, we all have at least some sort of uh, revenue stream that's coming in that's totally passive to us because it's our data and we deserve to get a share of the revenue being generated from it. I think that would solve a lot of problems. What's your take on that? Is it possible? And do you see Web3 being a way to accomplish something like that? Mm. I'd say I'd start with the, uh, is it possible? Yes. Um, I think that, the, yes. Um, is Web3 the way that it can happen? Yes. Um, is Web3 the way that it will happen? Hopefully. What's my take on it? That is interesting. It's a really, really interesting idea. And I think, hmm. I think the thing that you touched on that's the most important is getting people out of fight or flight. And I think that it should be the goal. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm down. I'm 100. I think that's. I think that's. I'm down. Like, let's make it happen. Um, but it, it, it's going to be difficult. I think the the data is a very good start. I don't know. 
if that can provide the full value that you're looking for, if that makes sense. But it's Why, a start. It's a, it's a, start, it's a start. Um, and I'm almost wondering, hmm, how do you, do you think it's possible that data could provide the full value? I actually don't know, mm -hmm. but based on the ridiculous amount of revenues that we're seeing from advertising companies in the advertising industry, mm -hmm. I think it's probably worth a shot to at least try yeah, and at honestly. least see what you can do. At least see. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's a really powerful idea. And so I think because of that, you're going to get resistance. But probably. It, it had, I mean, that's, that's strong, dude. Like, that's a really good idea. Um, I'm wondering why I haven't thought of that before. <laughs> well, I mean, just at a, at like a purely pragmatic level, right? Mm. Let's pretend, I think it's good for the world, but let's even throw that out, right? Mm -hmm. We have a lot of problems on the planet that are currently not solved. We need smart people to take action in a big way to solve that. Mm. However, most of the world is not like most of the pop, the people in the world are not able to contribute to the world at the highest level that they can contribute because they're either completely fucking starving with like no electricity or running water and they're all like shitting in a hole and then that's running off into their water supply and it's just disgusting and awful living right how could they possibly try to solve a problem when you're in this level of destitution you don't know where your next meal is coming from we could have the next 12 einsteins that are currently already living and ready to discover the next law of physics but they can't focus on that. And there's mm. no way that they're ever going to do that because of where they are right now. Mm. Um, at the same time, it's not, it wouldn't just be the next law of physics. It would be like a significant, like turning a significant portion of the population into productive contributors to the world in a really creative way. Right. How would that not help everybody? Like when everybody is able to fully contribute at the highest level, should they choose? You wouldn't have to, but people get bored of just like sitting around doing nothing. Like, you know, the ones that want to contribute to be creative and actually help, they're going to do it regardless of whether it's for money or not. Right. Like, like just at that level, it's important. So no, it, it's, I think providing an environment where people can reach their full potential is the most important thing that we can do right now with the world. Um, Agreed there's a hell of a lot of subcategories to that. And that's a very, very high level statement. And it's something you would hear from a politician. So I apologize. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I honestly believe like that, that's probably the most important problem that is going on in the world is for whatever reason, you know, whatever environmental or uh, data or personal or mental or physical uh, conditions are contributing to that. There's a lot of people who are not able to contribute in, to their, um, and probably a lot of that is personal. A lot of people dealing with personal issues 
that they need to um, explore and understand better. Um, but I mean, obviously the people you live around, the environment you're in, what's going on? Is it impossible to even make money? Is there, are there even jobs? Are there any opportunities? Where's your next meal, right? Like you brought up earlier, these are blockers and they're really scary and large blockers. And I think nobody's really trying to, nobody's, nobody who has the power, I should say not the power, but nobody who has the competency um, and the ability act in meaningful ways on these things is doing so. Um, I don't know why, but it, it, so, it's interesting. And so I, I think you might, you might, your, your pushback might be out of the, uh, how does that benefit me, people who are currently in charge? Well, so I actually think to be fair, there probably are people that are that are trying that I'm just not privy to. And I just, you know, because I don't know everybody in the world. I would like to, I'd like to meet everyone. I just don't, but you know, mm -hmm. just, I don't have enough time in the day to meet everybody. I, I don't think maybe there's a way I just haven't figured that out, but like it's, it's definitely worth a shot. It's definitely mm -hmm. worth a shot. Yeah. Um, so, so let's come back to the, to the data idea, because I think data is at least a good start. I think it's and, easy way to start. Yeah, it's an easy way to start. It's an it's well, maybe not easy, but the easiest. Right. Right. Or like, you know, conceptually the simplest to talk about, you know, in a super right. fun uh show, uh episode of a of a show. But like from the perspective of okay, what's the end goal with that? And let's let's close the loop on that. And, and I know we're coming close to time, so I want to cover a couple other things. Mm -hmm. Um I think the goal would be like try to get as many people as possible out of fight or flight. Right. And reasonably give people like give people a reasonable floor of a starting line. What people do after that, if they if they do something and they fuck it up, hey, that's on them. Because I believe like a lot of where we are today is a function of the actions that we've taken. But it's a very different starting point from somebody who like as a kid, like they just had food and they like they grew up and there was like food that was given to them versus being starving. And as a kid, like it's not when you're like three years old, like that's not your fault that you're in a situation like that. It may be, you know, maybe other, but it's not your fault. Like, you, you know, but that's not really fair to you. So at least some level of like a basic starting line of getting people like, you know, at least a floor of like, okay, basic necessities. Bam. We got our food. We got our shelter. We got our water. Okay. We can exist as a basic human being. And then everything else from there, you know, that's up to the individual either run with it as you will, or fuck it up as you will. But that's up to you at that point. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's the best way to say it. So yeah, I don't, I don't think I can state it any better than that. So a hundred percent in agreement. Right on. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about um, let's talk a little bit more about the data side of what you're doing mm -hmm. uh, from the from the perspective of it seems like you know one of the huge value adds is giving people the tools they need to make good decisions when it comes to virtual real estate. Like if mm -hmm. I could just try to summarize it without butchering it too much. That's our mission. What are okay? Perfect. <laughs> what are the ways that you're actually going about doing this? Uh, and what are some of the rich sources of data that have been like the most helpful to you 
on that on that mission? Yeah, so uh, I mean, one very difficult issue is that the 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 data um, in the game itself is very different from like the NFT data, uh, and so. One thing we're thinking about when we're evaluating these properties, if you will, um, is, you know, what is it, what's actually going on on the property? And I think a, one mistake that a lot of people uh, have made, you know, not necessarily because they think it's the best move, but because it's what's available and it's like, that's the only move right now, is they're looking at the sales history entirely of these properties and they're not mm. looking at what's going on inside the properties. Uh, for example, for like the first property I bought in Somnium Space had a building on it. I had no clue of that when I bought it. I didn't know how to get rid of it. I didn't know how to replace it. I didn't know how to upgrade it. I, there was just a building there and I'm like, okay, I guess this is, this is what I got. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, over time I learned that like you can build it, you can adjust it. Um, but I'm still wondering, you know, how many people are showing up? Do they like it? Do they not like it? Are they coming from other parcels or are they just spawning directly into mine? Um, what do they want to see here? Right. I think that's, I think, see here is a really interesting question that we're trying to answer right now uh and so like um with the with the new year's eve event for example uh a lot of people showed up and that that's public data if you will you can go pull the concurrent foot traffic of decentraland like i said normally you know there's about 1500 at times that night there was 1500 in just that scene um and so obviously it was a popular event people showed up and they enjoyed it uh, and a lot of people came who aren't normally in Decentraland, right? And so you see that foot traffic go from 1,500 to 3,000. It's like, these new people come from? Well, they didn't come from here, right? So they had to come from somewhere else. Uh, and so I think that is really powerful data is how many people you can bring in, um, especially, you know, where right now the market needs to expand. We need more users. We have we have to have more users. And that, that that's one reason I'm so... Uh, bearish on the on the NGMI uh, have have fun staying poor type mentality is we have a real opportunity with the web toolkit where it is right now to just blow it out of the water and bring on you know I think it'd be the year you know you web uh, that like we're like okay we brought on people to the blockchain this month right and that just becomes the norm and I, and so, and so that's the really important metric to me is how many new people did you bring in? Once we get past that, it's going to be how long they stayed more of like your traditional, I guess, website data, if you will, like kind of like a Google analytics, you know, that's, that's boring. We've had that for a long, long, long time. I think the difference with web three is that that data is going to be public, um, or at least our intention is to make it public. If nobody else, like we're, we are, we'll, we'll, we're making it public. Um, I guess that's a leak. Yikes. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah. And so, and so I think, you know, having that retention is going to be the thing after that, but right now it's, it's new people. And the way to get that is to, to throw events. Sweet. You know, one of the, one of the folks that have been on the show before um, was the, uh, the chief visual officer of um manticore who worked with dead mouse to to do his um totally rag concert and, and festival thing and he was saying because you know he has a whole game platform and he was saying the interesting thing is that we're seeing events be the main driver of new traffic and the main aggregator of people 
Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're kind of seeing the same trend here of like, mm-hmm. it's the events, it's the special things. You got to give people a reason to get in. And then you get people in that you've never gotten before. And then mm-hmm. you just hope enough of them stick around to where it was worth it to do the event in the first place. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. And I, I should add here is we've just built a tag uh, for Decentraland and we're building it out for other metaverses that allows builders, landowners to track this stuff. You just add it to the build and then it, 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 this is definitely a leak. (laughs) We have this dashboard coming out. You add this tag to your build, then you add the dashboard and you can say, all right, this is how many people showed up today. This is how many new users I brought into web three today. And that's the number I want at the top. But, you know, obviously we have to make it make sense. And then there's like a heat map and there's like a time. And it's like, they spent this amount of time in these areas and it's like aggregated data, you know? So it's staying respectful of that personal privacy, uh, which obviously the most important thing to me and my team. Um, but it, it's showing people like you did this event. It either went well or it didn't. Try again. Uh, and so I think we have to have a lot of iterations. And the things that we see through those iterations, I think we're finally in a spot where they can get exciting. Um, like New Year's Eve, you know, I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep probably three days leading up to the event. And I fell asleep at 10.30 PM Pacific because I'm like, all right, New Year's is over. And then I crashed so hard. I think I slept for two days. Um, It's, it's having that, having that tag um, that we've just come out with, I think is, you know, a first step in the right direction, hopefully. So is that, I'm trying to picture that and really understand it. Is this, is this a functionality where like, let's say on, you know, you're selling a piece of land on, you know, some marketplace Mm-hmm. And you can have like as one of the properties, average number of people who have viewed this per day. Yeah. And then, okay. And so, so it can like sense basically when people were near it or around it and close enough to count as an impression, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, that's fascinating. Oh, that's yeah. going to be a game changer, dude. We should follow up about it in a couple weeks. Is <laughs> all I can say. Yeah. But yeah, yeah stay, stay tuned to the charts and stuff that we release in the next couple of weeks. Uh, that that particular thing we're building out with partners right now. And so it's really under locks. And that's kind of all I can say about it. Um, but yeah, Decentraland first, the rest later. And it's, it's going to be this is the year, man. This this is the year. I love it. I love it. Well, Winston, I want to thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show today. This has been a fascinating conversation. And uh, I, I appreciate you um, doing everything that you do and taking some time out from everything that you do to come talk about it. So thank you very much. No, thank you so much, Ben. I mean, this was the most fun that I've had in weeks. So, like, I, <laughs> awesome. I really, like I really enjoyed the work that we do. It's the only, I would do it for free. Uh, if my company lost funding, I'd still be here. But, you know, it's, it's conversations like this that make it all worth it. And so I'm incredibly grateful for you for the opportunity uh, for having me on. And I mean, you followed up with me, I think, twice over like the last couple of months. And so really respect the, the work ethic um, and the effort that you're putting into this because somebody has to do it and nobody was. And so, you know, like super, super grateful to be a, a, a small part of it. Uh, and hopefully you'll have me back one day. Absolutely. Anytime, anytime. Um, well, you're the man again. And to everybody watching and listening, y'all are also the respected mans and womans and uh, appreciate y'all and uh, look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Take care now. Cheers, everybody.